But yeah, I hope you had an amazing Thanksgiving. Uh, I don't think Thanksgiving should be over yet. So what I did is I just grabbed seven of the worst Thanksgiving dad jokes I could find just to help us continue the joy of that season. So I hope we start here with great joy. And here's seven of the worst, best Thanksgiving dad jokes in the world, all right? What do you call a running turkey? Fast food. <laughs> oh, it's so bad. All right. Okay, what, what do sweet potatoes wear to bed? Yammies. Yeah. You got it. All right, this one is a little adult-oriented, but why did the cranberries turn red? They saw the turkey dressing. Okay. I probably shouldn't have said that one. Yeah. I admit it. All right, why was the Thanksgiving soup so expensive? It was made with 24 carats. I told you they were bad. I didn't promise anything good. Did you hear about the turkey prom? It, it was a butterball. <laughs> See? There's only two more. Someone really liked, like the, the people who are laughing. I love you. Yeah, all right? You're my people. What, <laughs> what do you call an attractive pilgrim? Pure tin. Did you hear it? And, and lastly, why don't side dishes tell jokes? They're just too corny, guys. They're just too corny. Yeah. Okay, so maybe that brought more groans than joy, actually. But, uh, <laughs> but it does help. It raises the question for us. What, when we talk about joy... What are we actually talking about? And there's two words for joy in the Bible um, that I want us to consider, and I'll use them interchangeably kind of, but the first is from the Greek, and it's just the word kara. You can say it if you want, kara. And it just means gladness. I mean, it's joy, right? What does joy mean? It means to, to be glad. And... Uh, the second is the, the normal word for joy in Hebrew. It's simcha, simcha, not cha, ka, simcha. And it just means joy, mirth, gladness, rejoicing, glee. All right? I'm not trying to over-spiritualize it. This is straight from the Bible. Um, when, and then the, the other, so we got the word joy in the New Testament and Old Testament. And we got the word um, rejoice in the Greek in the New Testament. It means to be glad or exceedingly glad, right? You guys know what rejoice means, right? Right, I think you do. All right, well, then in Hebrew it means, the word is gil. It's one of my favorite words. Um, and it means, it doesn't mean to be glad, but the picture associated with the word is this idea of spinning around under violent emotion. You ever been that glad? Maybe it's been a little bit, huh? But that's what joy. So what does the Bible say about joy? And even in the Bible, you're going to find like this basic idea of joy. The Bible uh, talks about it. Like Psalm 65 says joy comes from a great 
bounty or the abundance of grain or a, a, your flocks or you have a great number of flocks in the field. If you're a shepherd, that's joy. Or Psalm 105 or 104 says good wine can be God's gift to bring joy to people's hearts. Even Jeremiah, the gloomy weeping prophet, says you can find joy at a wedding. Um, Proverbs 23 says parents can rejoice over their children. Uh, Proverbs 27.9 says even perfume, a good perfume, can bring joy. It's like the presence, the pleasantness of a friend. And so this way of talking about joy is pretty normal. In fact, if you went to Google, you said, how do I find joy? It's much the same way that our world talks about it. And it says, slow down, go for a walk, find, find your friends, find a joyful thing to do, experience something good. And there's truth, and the scripture acknowledges it, that there is a common joy in finding pleasure in momentary things, and that is a gift from God. It's not even bad. But that isn't the only way that the Bible talks about joy, right? And if we're, we're in a series on unsinkable joy, lasting joy, so we're not just talking about moments that are fleeting, but we are talking about today. And the, the Bible is very honest about the reality that we live in a world that's been corrupted by our own sin and selfishness. It's marked by death. It's marked by loss. And this is where the scriptures offer a second or different source for joy than the world does. It's not just favorable circumstances or a good experience. But for the people of God, there is a joy that comes through our hope in Him. Who He is, what He's done, what He will do. It's why when the Israelites are freed from slavery and, and they, they, uh, they leave Egypt and they escape Pharaoh's army, that the first thing that they do is sing. Even, and now it's a great victory, right? We all know the story. They've, the, the, like, the Lord has crushed an army with the sea. He's, he has won a victory for them. They're standing there on dry land, and yet they're still in a desert. They're very, very vulnerable. They're still alive, yet, yet they, they don't, don't have, have, they're not in the promised land yet. But they're already singing songs of joy because of who God is, what he has already done, and what he is still yet to do. It's why the psalmist, their songbook is filled with calls to rejoice to sing for joy to the Lord, to shout for the joy, shout for joy to the Lord, like we read this morning, Psalm 100. Why? Simply because we're his people. He's our God. He's good. His love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. The joy is connected to God himself. That's why prophet Isaiah spoke of a day when God would raise up a new deliverer, one like Moses, and when that deliverer comes, Isaiah 51 says, Those redeemed by the Lord will return to Zion with glad shouts. 
with eternal joy crowning their heads. Happiness and joy will overtake them. They might even keel and spin around. But the idea is that God's people, even in the struggles that they were in, could find joy anticipating the future joy that was coming, the eternal joy. It's why when Jesus was born, it was announced as what? Good news of great joy. And while it may or may not, like for those of us in Christ, it may or may not include a change of our present circumstances. Right? Because a, a lot of us, that's where we, we go for joy. We, we, we're expecting God to do something. Sometimes he does. I mean, God, we just sang it this morning, God can do anything. And sometimes he chooses to do the miraculous. The kingdom of God breaks in to our present reality and we see something incredible of God. But sometimes he doesn't. Sometimes God chooses to allow the cancer to remain. He does. But our future is secure. It does mean a change in our future for those of us who are in Christ. Right? We have a hope. There is a day that will be without sickness, disease, brokenness, injustice. No more pain. No more tears. Like We have a promise of that. And so we're talking about a joy that is available to us today that's promised to us in the future. And is there really, is it really, un, is there really an unsinkable joy? I think we have to ask the question. I'm not just going to tell you it, right? I think we should consider it. If you could turn to Philippians 4. We'll spend some time in, in this passage. Now this passage you may have on your wall at home. Or it may be on your desktop, or it might be on your favorite mug, coffee mug. It's one of those types of passages. Philippians 4, 4 through 9 is where we'll be. I'll read it, and then we'll talk about it a little bit. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. That's my best exclamation mark for rejoice. I I think I can do better. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, that's not a meal, by the way, that's prayer. It could be a meal. We'll include a meal in it because I like to, all right? But it's prayer for sure. Present your request to God. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, 
think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. Now, because this is a familiar verse, right? It's a, it's a coffee mug verse. I think we, it becomes a thing that we can say and we don't think about deeply enough. And we can throw this truth around at times in, in a harmful way. And I maybe have even done that. I'll, I'll admit it. Right? Because what's, what's going on here is this isn't a simple, hear me, this isn't a simple easy solution it's not a quick fix to anxiety what do I mean by that when someone tells you that they're suffering anxiety tremendous I have maybe you have I have been through seasons of tremendous anxiety depression I there is no like five-step process for me to just get snap out of it it's not that if I would just rejoice and stop being anxious and then just pray what I need with some Thanksgiving in mix, you know, after five minutes of that, I'm good. I'm healed. It's, it's all done. And at times, I think people, like in a smaller or a place, we, we share burdens with people, and sometimes we can throw this as a solution at things. And we don't hear, we're not really listening to the, or seeing the people's pain in front of us. And if that's happened to you, I'm sorry. That's, that's not what this is. And we're going to talk about it, but I think what Paul is inviting us into is instructions for how to live. It's not a five-minute prayer solution. It's a way to live. Now, maybe you've given up on this passage because you've only tried it as a quick fix, right? You've only spent five minutes putting your knees before God, thanking him, making sure you say thank you, and you're like, God, where's the peace, right? I want to tell you, again, this isn't a quick fix. Paul's sharing with us a way to live, something we do over and over and over and over again over time. Some of you are like, Josh, um, well, I think you're wrong because I, when I have anxiety, I just run to Jesus and I pray to him and I tell him what's going on and then he gives me peace. So I do exactly what that's saying. What are you talking about? Of course that works. And I would say, amen, it does work. It does work. Some of us have the gift of faith that God gives us. And we're able to take God at his word right away and receive that truth and walk through it and just receive the Lord's peace. And I would just remind you that there are others, though, who are on a journey. Some of us are just in a journey. We're, la- we're learning how to do it. And it doesn't mean that your, your experience of this in mind, if they're different, it doesn't mean that one is better or more significant than the other. But... But what Paul is talking about is what we should spend a lifetime doing, not five minutes. So just a few observations, right? So first of all, rejoice. How often are we to rejoice? What does it say? 
Yeah, we sang it this morning. Yeah. Always. That's not part of the time. That's always. So you're saying to be joyful. That's not a word. To be joyful, glad, always? How many of you feel just joyful always? Is that what it's saying? That's not what it's saying. So let's be careful. This verse is not telling us that we don't mourn or grieve or experience pain or sadness because we do. Right? Even Paul says we don't grieve like the world who have no hope, meaning we do grieve, but we grieve differently because we've been transformed by the gospel. See, it's not that joy is supposed to replace pain. It's that there is a joy, and this is good news for us. There is a joy for you, for each one of us, available every moment, every season, alongside every feeling. Now, as a believer, that means sometimes we're going to feel great pain, even though we can have great joy, and we have great reason to rejoice. They're both there. Right at the same time. And it's, I think, too, just so we know, like, of course, I'm the worship guy, so I love the idea, like, joy is geel, it's spinning around, it's, it's worshiping God with our body. I love the idea that God does stuff inside of us so much so that it has to come out in all that we are. We worship the Lord not just with our mind, but with our whole person. Um, but... When I say rejoice, I'm not just talking about physically spinning around, right? Even the psalmist says, Psalm 35, 9 says, My soul shall be joyful in the Lord. Right? It shall rejoice in his salvation. It's not just my physical body. It's my soul that rejoices. Psalm 13, 5, My heart shall rejoice. Right? It's a heart, our hearts, our souls rejoice. So I'm not saying you have to spin around constantly. Guys, I would get dizzy really fast, right? But there is, a, there is a rejoicing available in our soul every moment, every season, along every feeling. So how do we experience it? Just, just three thoughts. <laughs> First is this, and this, guys, there's so much more to this passage, I know, um, but this is what God gave me for us today. Unsinkable joy comes from who we are with. Say that with me. Unsinkable joy comes from who we are with. We rejoice in who? The Lord. It's not our circumstances, but our God that gives us reason to rejoice. And we rejoice with who's present with us. What does Paul say? This is why I think Paul says, hey, the Lord is near. Right? So, yeah, rejoice, but no, God's here. You have a reason to. He's right here. He's the one you rejoice in, and he's near. He's close. He's right here with you. Who are we talking to in every circumstance? Paul says in every circumstance, make your requests made known to who? The Lord. All right, do you guys get it? It's this picture of being with God. The psalmist says in Psalm 16, the fullness, I love this, the fullness of joy. 
You ever cap out your joy? Max capacity? Fullness of joy is found in God's presence. It says something about where we're headed someday. Psalm 94, I love this too, 19. When the cares of my heart are many. You ever feel like that? When the cares of my heart are many. Your consolations cheer my soul. Another uh, translation says, your comfort brought me joy. It's the presence of It's the person of God. It's why joy is a fruit of the Spirit of God. It's what we reap from walking with God, living by His Spirit. When we invite His Spirit to lead us in every circumstance. Right? In every circumstance. Make your request known to God. So that's the first thing I would just say. If you want to experience unsinkable joy, then the question you should ask, first question, is how much of your life is spent with God? Because if it's found in Him, right? If you, only, if you only experience the person of God on Sunday morning, I mean, Sundays are going to be great, but you're going to have a joyless life. Speaking to myself, too. <laughs> Are there places in your day that you forget about God? See, followers of Jesus, what we're doing here is we're learning how to walk with God all the time. How are we walking with Jesus together here? How are we aware of the person of Jesus with us as we're at school? as we're at our job, right? as we're with our families at home, as we turn on the TV, as we pour a glass of wine or don't, right? We, we're learning to walk with God. So first is uns, unsinkable joy comes from who we're with. Second, unsinkable joy comes from a transformed perspective. Transform perspective. Think about it. One of the things that um, Paul says to do here is, as we're talking to God, to give thanks. Have you ever practiced Thanksgiving? And not like because your mom at the Thanksgiving table said, okay, we're going to go around now, and you say what we're thankful for, and you can't say video games, You can't say the turkey, okay? What are we thankful for, right? Um, Practicing Thanksgiving transforms the way we think. If you're having trouble with your spouse, one of the best ways that I've learned, I've only been married like 20 years, so I'm still a rookie. Begin thanking God for your spouse every day. It will change. It will change your marriage. See, Thanksgiving changes our perspective. And unsinkable joy comes from a transformed perspective. It says in the passage that God is at work giving us peace that guards our hearts and our 
minds. It's because he wants us to have his perspective. And in fact, it says it's the practice of thinking about righteous things, right? If we go to the passage, I think it was verse 7, right? Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Where do you put your mind? What do you think about? What do you allow to shape the way you think? This is, by the way, this is a great, like, Netflix filter right here. All right, Hulu filter, whatever. Whatever is pure, lovely, excellent. Joy comes, unsinkable joy comes uh, from a transformed perspective. Even Paul said in Colossians 3, set your heart, your mind on things above where Christ is. Like Jesus wants to reshape the way we think about life. He is literally transforming us by renewing our minds, Romans 12 says. Reshaping the way we think. He said, John 15, abide in me and let me abide in you and let my words abide in you. Unsinkable joy comes from being transformed in our perspective. What does a transformed perspective look like? It looks like what Jesus said in Matthew 5.12. Can you believe this? Get ready. When people reject and persecute you for following me, rejoice in the Lord. Be very glad because your reward is great in heaven. That's a different perspective, isn't it? 1 Peter 4. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. When you suffer for the name of Jesus, you're excited to do it, and you're just as excited for what's going to happen because of it, how God is going to be on display. Rejoice in suffering. <coughs> James 1, 2 through 4. Right? Count it all joy, my brothers and sisters. You've heard this. When you meet trials of various kinds. Really? I thought it was to pray for, to not have the trial. God, I don't want this anymore. I don't like uncomfortableness. Right? No, it's to count it all joy. See, you see what happens from a renewed mind? We begin to think differently even in our suffering. Count it all joy when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. See, you have to have gone through a test to know that. And let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. You already know God is using your pain to make you more like Jesus. One more, Romans 5. 
We rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. That's that future hope again that we're talking about, right? No more pain, no more tears, peace, no injustice, no oppression, no shame, no sickness, no disease, just life in God, full joy. But not only that, we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has given to us. That is a picture of someone who walks with God. So I just have to ask, are you allowing God to transform your perspective? How much of your week, your day, are you letting God speak? Letting God shape your mind? Are you allowing him to shape you by his word and his spirit? Because unsinkable joy is available today. And we can rejoice even in the midst of suffering. In fact, we have good reason to, is what the scriptures are telling us. It doesn't belittle your pain, which is real. It doesn't make the trial any easier because it's real. It doesn't make the unmet expectation any easier to take because it's not easy to take. It's not easy to reconcile with God all the time. Things that we hope for and, and we don't get. Things that we think he ought to have done that he doesn't do. But we're not God. We don't know his ways. He's God. Lastly, unsinkable joy comes from choosing to rejoice even when you don't feel like it. That is just the opposite of our culture right now, right? We rejoice when we feel like it. And oftentimes we seek God when we feel like it. Instead of the command. Did you catch it? He's not saying if you feel like it. He's the, it's a command. Rejoice. He's saying, hey, people of God, rejoice. Now, that's kind of weird, isn't it? If I brought you on stage, Jackson, I said, hey, buddy, rejoice. You'd be like, what? <laughs> right? But, again, it's not a momentary thing. It's a lifelong thing that we're learning with God. And as we walk with God, we're learning that we can rejoice in all things. We're learning that we don't have to be anxious for anything. There's really nothing we have to be anxious about compared to God. Now, I don't always understand that, so sometimes I experience great anxiety. But the truth is, and I know it in my brain, and I love when my brain is able to get a hold of my heart and let me know that I don't have to be anxious. And God reminds me of who he is. But we choose to rejoice. And that choosing is so important. If you go back to the passage, the last verse, Paul says, whatever you have learned, learned. It takes time to learn something. Right? We choose choice. We choose to Practice it. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice. We practice rejoicing. We make a real choice to praise God. 
and the God of peace. Again, he gives us that, that hope. The God of peace will be with you. That's the whole point. Anyway, that's where rejoicing comes from because it's in God. But it's learned. It takes time. It's practice. Joy is a discipline, actually. It's a choice. There's a prayer I prayed. I started praying during uh, 2020, COVID. And it's the daily examine. I still pray it often. It's a five-fold prayer. The honest truth is that when, I don't know if you're like me, but when I sit down to spend time with God, my brain just goes a million places. It takes me like two whole hours to like actually be present with God. And so I found this tool. It really helped me to, to, to like just start with God. It gave me something to do. And the first, the first thing is uh, to become aware of God's presence. Uh, become aware that like God is with you and acknowledge that like you're here, Lord, and, and he meets you with love. And for so long, when I started doing this prayer, that would take forever. <laughs> it took like 20, 30 minutes for me to be like, okay, I actually believe that. I believe you're in this moment here with me in a real way. Because I'm, I'm slow, guys. It takes me a while. And the second thing was offer thanksgiving to God. And so um, I, I started to practice that. And, and, and oftentimes, after like 45 minutes, I was tired, and that's all I got through, those first two. Because I'm like, okay, God, I thanked you. I feel a lot better. There's three more steps, but I'm selfish, so I'm, I'm out. Um, that's just, or I fell asleep because I was doing it at night. But here's what I learned. Over time, the practice of becoming aware of God's presence and thanksgiving be, began to happen a lot more quickly. And because I've been doing it day after day after day after day after day, I, I just said I would, I would find a, a place with God. Sometimes I would go for a drive just because movement helps me calm my nerves and, and I don't have the radio on and I have nowhere to be. And so I drive really slow like the person that makes you angry on the road, right? And, uh, and I'm, I'm praying and I'm like, God, you're with me. And in like that, I just believe it. It was like the moment I said it, I knew God was with me. Because my heart, I trained my heart in that. And I knew God was with me. And immediately I, I would just offer thanksgiving. And I learned how to thank God. And, sl- and like slowly I got to the other pieces of the prayer because um, I just knew how to do it. Like I trained my heart to see things clearly that were normally I wouldn't see. And the last one, you know, finally I got to the end of the, there's five steps. The fifth one is, is the hardest for me. It's just to look forward with hope. Because in my personality, even after I've spent an amazing time with God, to be honest, I'll just look forward with the half the glass is half empty, right? And I'll just go at things in my own strength. But I've, I've been learning how to look forward with hope. God is present, not just with me here, but he's going to be present with me the next few hours and where I go. But that was, that was something that helped me. It was a practice. It's the daily exam, and you can look it up. Because this idea that this is learned, it takes time to learn how to walk with God. I've recently been in a season where the daily examine is not the right thing for me. Because it's a five-step prayer, but what I really, really need to talk to God about are some other things that he's been pressing on me that don't quite fit that perfect diagram. So it's not, a, it's not like a, you know, training 
practicing, it's not like we find a discipline and we do it and it's a, it's a solution either. We're, whatever helps you, choose God. Choose thanksgiving. Choose to share your life with God. Right? We choose to allow our minds to be shaped by God. We choose to spend time with God. We choose to invite God in our daily walking and decisions. And we choose to praise. We choose to rejoice. And you have that choice. What I, I want is not to belittle your pain or where you're at in your story. Because I don't know. And so I'm not saying it's a happy, clappy rejoicing. All I'm saying is that there's an unsinkable joy available to you alongside of whatever you're feeling today. It's found in God. Choose him. Right? Todah. We, we choose to praise even while we're still waiting for the deliverance. Let me pray for us. Father, we love you. We're thankful for your word. More than that, we're thankful for what you've done for us in Jesus, that you have made us alive to you. You've adopted us as sons and daughters. You've sealed us with your spirit. God, and you invite us into your presence to know you, to love you, to walk with you, to choose you. And we're just so thankful for that. That is the life we want, a life with you. And so we, as best we can, our desire is to choose you. Lord, make Moraine Valley Church a church that continues to choose you day after day, moment after moment, for your glory. In your name we pray. Amen.